Hello and welcome to Of Idgets. This is your episode by episode podcast covering Supernatural. I am your host Dan and with me as always is Penny and the dogs. <laughs> yep, there's some dogs around today sniffing about. Usually they're uh, sleeping during this, but they're a little more active today. It's the weekend. Time to party. I guess. Yeah, we're recording this on a weekend. Uh, okay, so this is episode four, Phantom Traveler. And it starts off with a quick recap of Dad, the fire, the hunting, the whole song and dance there. Uh, to show you that there's, or to show the viewers that there's a larger story arc involved in this show as well. And then it starts off with the show, uh, there's a, just this nerdy, dopey guy at the airport. He's afraid of flying. He's in the bathroom. Some smoke comes out of an event. event. Uh, flight attendant Amanda, she's getting on the plane and she sees this guy and notices he's got all black eyes. She's kind of creeped out a little bit. But they have a pleasant flight until about 40 minutes into it. He stands up to stretch his legs, walks open, walks over to the door, opens up the door. The door rips off the hinges. It busts the airplane tail, and the airplane goes down. Explosion and commercial. <laughs> yeah, so for some reason, that being 40 minutes into the flight has, it's, for some reason, it's a thing. Um, they don't really get into why it's a thing, but it is a thing. All right, so um, come back from commercial. Sam brings Dean some coffee in the hotel room, and uh, Dean thanks him. And then uh, there's more mental, uh, more talk about Sam's mental health. Yes, because he's not sleeping well. He's still having nightmares about what happened with Jess and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so Sammy uh, is talking about a job, and the phone rings. On the phone is Jerry Penanowski. Penowski? Something like that, yeah. And I guess he's a former client of Dean's. And John. And John, yeah. And uh, so they're excited to go meet him, I guess. So they take off. Once again, that car is perfect. Rolled right out <laughs> of the car wash. <laughs> Freshly polished. Yep. And so they go and meet up with Jerry. And I guess they helped him fight a poltergeist in the past. Um, a little bit, a little more back talk then about not back talk, <laughs> like he's sassing him, but there's more backstory then. Just this dude knew their dad and spoke very highly of Sam. Yeah, um, he said. Even though he wasn't in the business, he was. John he, was very proud of him for going to college. Yeah. So that's pretty nice. They uh, listened to the cockpit tapes. I guess this Jerry guy's got access to cockpit recordings, and it has some spooky sounds in it. Yes, they, um, it has some EVP on it, um, and when they get a chance to enhance it and cut out all the other noise, the spooky voice says, no survivors. Yeah, but there were survivors. There were seven survivors, so that doesn't really make too much sense to these guys yet. Right. Then they go and talk to Max Jaffe. Yeah, he was one of the uh, passengers that did survive the crash. And he happened to be um, in the rear of the plane where all this happened. So they asked him what he saw. Yeah, so this guy's got a limp, I'm assuming from the crash. And he checked himself into a mental hospital? Yeah, because of the fact that 
I'm sure what he saw, other people told him he was crazy and he didn't really see what he saw. Because he didn't want to tell Sam and Dean at first. And Sam's like, well, tell us what you thought you saw. Yeah, so he reveals that he saw a black eyeball guy and that he did open the door. And, um, you know, Sam and Dean are like, well, did he just appear? And the guy's like, no, he was a passenger. He's sitting right in front of me. He just got up, walked to the emergency door and... And yeah, they asked it. him, like, was he blinking in and out of existence? Was he flickering about? And they're like, what are you, crazy? <laughs> yeah. It was pretty funny. Like, no, it was just some dude. He got up and walked <laughs> off. Like, I don't know what you're trying to make this, you know, bigger and scarier than what it really was. Those plane doors, you can't actually open them in flight, right? No, because, like, and they covered that, that no human could open that door because it's pressurized at that at that. Um, altitude and speed there's no way a human could have done it yeah and some of those doors they're i mean when you're boarding a plane the door is opened outwards and somehow though they pull it in and it's tipped and then yeah locked into place from the outside like kind of like your van doors something i'm yeah. not exact yeah oh yeah, i don't know somehow they lock i don't know what do i know about airplanes <laughs> just ride on them once in a while <laughs> Um, they go and they uh, visit uh, the guy then that supposedly got up and opened up the door. They go and visit his wife, and she lets him know that, hey, that guy was afraid to fly. He would have never got out of his seat and opened up a door. He didn't even want to be on the uh, plane in the first place. Right, right. All right. Now, I think this is a pivotal turning point then, very early in Supernatural, this next scene. Tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. This is where the boys put on very nice-looking suits. Yes. They put on their men in black suits. <laughs> this, is, um, this is how they dress then for a lot of it now, right? Well, whenever they're impersonating uh, FBI or Homeland Security or something like that, yeah, they have to they put on suits. All right, so do you find these two boys in these suits sexy? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of discovering this, that women that like this show... They fucking love this show. And I really think that it's Sam and Dean's sexiness that might be the treble hook in all your mouths. <laughs> you. Well, it does have something to do with it. Plus, it's, you know, a good story. And it does spell, like you said, a story, blah, blah, story blah. Arc. There's sexy men in suits. Well, even when they're not in suits, they're <laughs> not hard to look at for sure. So, yeah, okay, they're dressed up in these fantastic dapper outfits, men in black style. They go into the airplane hangar. I, they don't say who they're impersonating, but I'm just assuming FAA. Or do they say? Yeah, hold don't on shake your head, yes, <laughs> the audience can't hear that. <laughs> Homeland Security. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 because he does bring up, like, ooh, this is a big one. And then yeah. he brings up the fact, hey, it's an ID that not everyone has seen, so it's not that hard to pull off, actually. Right, right. Um, so yeah, they're Homeland Security, they're uh, combing through some wreckage, they pull out their EMF meter, they find some crud on the handle that the guy touched, which is weird, the guy touched that handle, the door ripped off, that would have been miles away from the wreckage, but somehow they found the door, and it was all in the same pile of airplane parts. Well, you know, I'm assuming that when they comb an area for wreckage of an airplane they do have several miles that they they look at i mean they know it's like well here's the plane crashed you know they have that whole they know the flight path they know yeah know. that's true i mean they put together the challenger and that thing was spread across all of texas right right so yeah 
I can see that happening. All right. So while they're there, though, cops rush in. I guess they get tipped off that there's a couple of cats here that don't belong. Well, because the real Homeland Security shows up and the guy's like, wow, where to get two of your, you know, buddies in there looking at stuff. And they're like, oh, no. And then that's when all the cops rush in because they realize that, no, Sam and Dean aren't really Homeland Security. But they get out in time before they get caught. <laughs> yeah, but they kind of do that. I mean, they peek around the corner, the two of them, Looney Tune style, and then they more or less just like stroll away whistling. I mean, <laughs> just well, not literally whistling. Not us. Nothing to see here. Well, you know. <laughs> they pretty nonchalantly just stroll away then. If you look like you belong, you must belong. That's what I say. Whenever you're somewhere you're not supposed to be, just look like you belong. <laughs> Don't look nervous. Don't draw attention to yourself. That's just the way it is. I guess so, yeah. Just put on a uniform. People will treat you in that character. Exactly. I've done that before. I've worn some costumes, some uniforms in public to test this theory. Definitely, you'll get treated differently depending on how you're dressed. True, very true. You dress up in a priest collar, people are really polite to you. <laughs> if you dress up in nurse's scrubs, people kind of give you distance because you touch gooey things all day. <laughs> they don't want to get their, your germs on them. That's These true. are real facts. And if you dress up like the Easter Bunny, people give you about one square block and call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they show another flight. There's another smoke monster. Well, this is, before he gets into this, this happens to be one of the survivors who was either the pilot or the co-pilot that survived the first plane crash. And he was getting nervous. He wanted to get back up there. So he and a friend were just going into a small aircraft to get him back up there, get him into flying again. And they find more residue in this crash, right? Well, first, you know, let's get into what's going on here. He's very nervous about it. And then, yeah, he's in the bathroom and he sees the smoke come out of the vent and it enters into him. And when he comes out, he's like, oh, yeah, we're ready to do this. And so he and his friend are in the plane. And then he asks his friend, so how long have we been up in the air? And his friend checks his watch and says, oh, about 40 minutes. Oh, okay. And then plane die causes the plane dive down and crash. It was a horrendous crash. This plane crash was laughable, though. The, this, you can really tell, they do not have much of a budget because the airplane is the world's worst CGI airplane. <laughs> it looks like it was out of some sort of clip art, practically, and just like moved across the screen in front of a cloudy sky. It is awful. This might be the worst special effect so far. Probably, because um, like I said, in the first season, they didn't know how it was going to go. It was the, the old WB network. Um, it really does look like crappy 90s CGI. Just a well, clip art file with a transparent background that they just moved across to the screen <laughs> in a downward fashion. It's, well, it's, it's laughable. Early 2000s, so I'm not sure. I can't remember what the exact technology was back then, but yeah. Well... They should have done it big. They should have got a real plane. I <laughs> <laughs> really crashed it. Well, you know, you don't have to fly it and crash it. They could have just, you know, used a crane or something and dropped it on the ground. <laughs> I don't know. Because that looks realistic. So it, that's another commercial break. When we come back, then the boys are talking about demons and possession. And at this point, Dean wants daddy. <laughs> well, yeah, he says, I Dean wish. Dean wants his daddy. Well, because. Um, Dean hasn't really dealt with demons before. He's dealt, you know, with 
other monsters, vampires, Wendigos, things like that. But he hasn't dealt with demons, and Sam hasn't either. And so, yeah, they both kind of wish their dad was there to help them along. Daddy! Oh, shut up. Where are you? I'm going to start swearing if you don't knock it off. <laughs> Swear to God. <laughs> it was just, these guys act so big and tough, and then, yeah, as soon as there's something that they don't know about, they're just like, where's dad? They weren't, they weren't afraid. They just wanted him for more information to see if he had dealt with this, a demon before and, you know, kind of what to do. It was like, oh, my God, we're all going to die. Daddy. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> all right. So then they get a call about another crash. Yes, they find out that this. Uh, they find more sulfur. Pilot crashed. Yeah, they. And the number 40 pops up again. They know that it was 40 minutes. 40 minutes into the flights. And as far as I can remember, they don't ever discuss why the demon waited those 40 minutes, you know, to do what he did. Yeah, they, but it just ties it together. They have no, no reason why, no explanation. It's just a minor bit of trivia that seems to... <laughs> I mean, the guy must be finishing, you know, just like watching... Two episodes of MASH without commercials or something like that. And I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. Yeah, right. I don't know. don't know what it is. Um, at this point, though, as a side note, this is outside of our the episode. This is when I wanted to rip my television set off the wall. This scene was so dark, and because we got that weird, like, dark screen contrast, it was just a smear of color, and I could barely tell what was going on. Yeah, um, you'll find that a lot of the scenes with Supernatural are dark. Um, oh, if you if this whole... You haven't just set up this entire podcast as a plot for us to buy a new TV, have you? Uh, no, but we do need a new one. No, because you can watch it on your computer. It's just on Netflix. And, you know, watch it on your computer with the proper color and you can see everything. Yeah, but I don't want to sit at my computer. I want to sit on my couch with the dogs. Yeah, um... Because we do have to get their input, too. I, 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 some nights I wish a madman would run into our house with a hatchet and just throw it at our TV set and run away. <laughs> and just put us out of our misery. But <laughs> I don't know. It works good enough. And as long as you're not watching really dark programming, it's not noticeable at all. It's just on dark stuff. Right, right. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's such a weird thing that it does, but we'll have to get some screenshots up. Maybe there's a TV repairman in our audience that can help us. Um, All right, so well, they're back at the airport, and uh, I think it's Dean. Well, Ta- Dean goes to the airport phone and gives Amanda a call. Well, first, they realize that this demon must be going after all the survivors of the first flight. Um, and the next survivor, and they contact the other survivors, so no one plans on flying anytime soon, except for the flight attendant. And so they know that she's going to be on a flight, leaving the airport soon. Um, so yeah, they go, and he tries to um, contact. He contacts her by the white courtesy phone, trying to talk her out of going on the flight by lying and being a tool. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sam wants to get on this doomed plane. They know it's doomed. They know that this plane is going to have a demon attack or a black eyeball person attack, whatever they think it is attack. Right. But they know that they also ha- know that they have the 40 minutes to find it and to exercise it. And sure. You got a whole 40 minutes before a plane crash. <laughs> it's the worst. 
Sam talks Dean into doing it. I don't know how Sam didn't just knock him over the head with a, a, a mallet and drag his ass back outside and drive away. Jesus. Yeah, because we soon discover that Dean is afraid of one thing, and it is flying. He does not like to fly. So they get up in the air. This is what's weird. So they get up in the air. They got 32 minutes left. I guess they started their stopwatch when... When the plane when took the off. the plane yeah. took off. I, got, I don't know. They when you know you only have 40 minutes, yeah, you're going to tie The 40 up. minutes from when they pushed away from the gate or 40 minutes after they uh, taxied? Or I think it's 40 minutes after they... Once they get in off the air, the once they get in the air, then yeah. they got 40 minutes. They once have they're no longer touching terra firma. Right. Then the haunting clock starts. So Dean goes back then into the back to talk to Amanda. Um, I know you haven't done as much flying as I have. I want to talk about that back area, though, real quick. Okay. Well, first of all, let's discuss why Dean went back there. Because um, they, decide, they said that they had to look for the demon. Um, and Sam said that they need to look for someone who maybe was emotionally distressed because that would make it easier for the demon to possess that person. And Dean's like, well, let's... Let me go talk to Amanda. She's probably the only one emotionally distressed. She's, this is her first flight since the other crash. So that's why he goes back and talks to her. Um, <coughs> and first he's going to take some holy water with her and splash her with it. And Sam's like, hey, be a little bit more subtle. All you have to do is say, you know, Christ's name in front of her, but do it in Latin. So he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm not stupid. I'll do that. Then he goes back to talk to her. Yeah, so then Dean goes back, flirts with Amanda, basically, and then just slips in a Cristo. And she just looks around like, what? You want some crisps? <laughs> then he goes, Cristo? <laughs> she's like, no, we don't have that flavor of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> um, Man, I got to tell you, that back area, uh-huh. if you're going cross country or somewhere like a long distance, this is back in the day, too. It's probably even after, you know. Homeland Security and 9-11 and everything, but it was bad. But now with the COVID, they don't even have any snacks or water. But back in the day, if you're on a Southwest flight and you'd get that nice red eye, always take the very last row, that bulkhead right in front of the bathroom. Two things. All of the flight attendants, once they do their initial rounds of handing out um, water or soda or whatever and drinks, they all congregate up at the front of the plane and have a, in a gab session up there in front of first class. So you go all the way to the back, that kitchen's all yours. (laughs) You get all the free sodas, all the water, the bathroom is right there. You can grab some snacks. It was the best. That was like the smorgasbord seat. (laughs) I don't think you're really allowed to do that too much anymore. No. I mean, like I said, this was was after 9-11 because it was 2005, but before... All this other stuff that's happened in the past. I did this, though, after 9-11. You were still right. able to do it after 9-11. But now with the COVID thing, they don't even, they don't give out anything. Yeah, I, I don't know. They I just don't. tell you to sit down and shut up. And <laughs> if we all pray hard enough, we'll get there alive without anyone beating each other to death. <laughs> Which does happen. Oh, planes are nuts nowadays. Everyone's a loon. All right. So Dean starts freaking out. Sammy has to talk him down. Sammy reveals that, don't worry, once we find him, I've got something to send this spirit back to hell. What was that that he had? He had his dad's journal with the exorcism ritual. All right. What if that ritual took like 35 minutes to perform? (laughs) Well, 
Um, yeah, no. Um, you're not going to want to give. Uh, <laughs> they open it up and they realize it involves like ingredients. Eye of Newt. Crap, we didn't bring any Eye of Newt. Well, I'm sure they knew this before that. That's why they got on the plane because Sam had this, this exorcism that he could perform. So they pull out an EMP meter. Which, by the way, Homeland Security is not going to let you on with some crazy-looking electronic device. But it was made out of a, an old Walkman, so he could have disguised it as just a Walkman. I think back then you could probably bring your own. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he did make it. It, it wasn't like a big Ghostbuster thing with right. The, right. the antenna spinning around or anything. Right. Okay, so fast talk. I, my note here, they fast talk the girl into Eyeball Guy. Well, first you have to say, you know, they realize that she wasn't, or the demon wasn't possessing her, um, and then they happen to see the co-pilot go from, you know, the bathroom back into the cockpit, and he happens to turn around because Sam says Cristo, and the guy turn, you know, starting to stiffens up and turns around. They say he's got black eyes. I'm like, oh no, it's in the co-pilot. Now we're all screwed. So they talk Amanda, they, they explain, they get Amanda all involved. They talk her into getting this co-pilot back. She's freaked out because she's going to lose her job. Right. They pull the co-pilot out and then beat his ass. As one would. The demon then, or this black smoke beast, whatever it is that's inside, uh, then starts talking about Sam's girlfriend and freaks Sam out. The... Uh, Smoke thing leaves. Well, first, Sam. Sam. Oh, just a second here. Dogs. Uh, uh, yeah, our dogs are the neighbors mowing his lawn, and so the Harley. dogs think they have a an enemy to attack. I'm trying to record a podcast here, <laughs> Harley. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Once they get the, they tackle the co-pilot. They douse, you know, They put um, tape over his mouth so he doesn't scream. Uh, dump holy water, and he starts sizzling. And that's when Sam starts performing the exorcism. I have Newton all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Demon talks about Sam's girlfriend. Uh, so everyone's screaming. So, and once again, we they show the outside of because the plane is like out of control or doing something weird. Well, once point. once the demon leaves the co-pilot, it gets into the actual plane itself, the electronics of the plane, and starts bringing the plane down. And then once again, terrible CGI, we see a cartoon plane going across a cloudy sky in some really bad acting. This is like Star Trek people throwing themselves against left and right while they shook the camera acting. No, it wasn't that bad. But anyway, uh, Sam finishes the ritual, the plane straightens out, demon gone, everyone lives happily ever after, we hope. And this is when, at this point, I was freaking done with this episode. I was so upset. Why? Because I just wasted 40 minutes on a nothing story that explained nothing, did nothing. The only reason why this story happens is so that at the very end, a demon can creep out Sam by knowing about the girlfriend and keeping that storyline going. That's the only... We sat through 38 minutes of show for that... Ten seconds of dialogue. <laughs> well, plus it gives us the glimpse of how, you know, what Sam and Indeed did to deal with their first demon. But I have to say, um, some of the things that I said aren't in the later demon lore is the EVP. Now, they use that a lot for ghosts, um, but demons don't usually leave that 
an EVP trace or anything like that. So that's why I thought, you know, you can tell this is the first demon excursion. They're just not really following the later lore of, you know, how to decide if it's a demon or not. Um, the sulfur, though, on the door handle and the other plane, that stays with the lore. Um, but that's the only thing I didn't, you know, thought was interesting. And they still, act, like I said, still never explained why that demon waited the 40 minutes. No, no. Who that demon was, why he initially did it, nothing. Mm -mm. There was nothing. There, there's no substance here. It's just <laughs> a, it's just a, it's just people walking from into one scene to the next, all just to have them go have the demon talk creepy to Sam about his girlfriend. Well, that was it. It's the only purpose. Yeah, I mean, and you're going to have some episodes. Not every episode is really involved with the story of Finding John. You know, some episodes are like a one-off. This is happily one of them. You know, yeah, they talked about, really wish Dad was here. The demon said, oh, I know what happened to your girlfriend. I bet you she really suffered or something like that. Um, but, yeah, this is just one of those one-off episodes that really didn't with have no any. answers. Well, no, sometimes you don't have answers. That's, that's the way life is. You never... Life is never a 45-minute show where you get all the answers at the end. All right. Well, he, it seemed not to bug you. It was... No. I was just like, are you kidding me? We just watched all of that for that one thing. I didn't think it was just and for I that just one thing. I just threw my hands up in disgust. And no, because of the fact that now you kind of know that Sam and Dean are not just dealing with those urban legends out there. They're dealing with the... Um, actual supernatural of you know spirits and things like that i'm sure we had that one episode about in the water with a ghost boy but not an actual demonic spirit yeah but at least they explained where ghost boy came from well, why he was mad yeah like, it gave some motivations and stuff this was just like well you know uh, dean said it best <laughs> they I mean, don't they might as well just call this the secondhand smoke monster it's <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Dean said it best. He says, demons don't need a reason. They're just dicks. <laughs> they're dicks and they lie. <laughs> they don't need a reason. That's just when you're a demon, you're a dick and you lie. That's it. All right. Case well, closed. That's my take on this whole thing. You got anything else to add about uh, this episode? Nope. I covered everything I can think of. Uh, once again, at the end, the Jerry dude thanks them for all their help and for saving all those people and... Uh, Dean, oh, the one thing I do have to mention, Dean's like, well, how did you know to call me? And he says, well, actually, I called your dad's phone, and his message said to call you. And later, Sam and Dean are like, well, we've tried calling, to each other, this is after the guy left, we've tried calling dad several times, and it's just like it was not active anymore. So they try calling it, and sure enough, this time, they get a message, I'm unavailable, please call my son, Dean, he'll be able to help you, and they give Dean's number. I can just imagine that outgoing message. He's, you know, he's just about ready to leave his office. He hits the record outgoing message. He's like, all right. You know, like a business conference. You know, I'll be out of the office from the, on the week of January 3rd <laughs> through March 17th. If you need immediate assistance with a haunting possession, Bigfoot, <laughs> you know, he just starts listing a bunch of stuff. Please call my son. He's new at it. He's a little scared, but he can probably get the job done, and he might not die. Um, actually, no. Dean and John have been hunting together all along. It's Sam, who's relatively new because he stepped away from it for so long to go to college. Do you think John has business cards? No. 
they're you know when they go into restaurants they drop in the business card for the free lunch drawing next week no for him and all of his office workers no oh no they don't they're do that. calling into radio stations for free lunch at panera for him and his office yeah no there is no office well he's got voicemail so that well he's got a cell phone everyone's got a voicemail on their cell phone it's not like that's not like he has this elaborate office somewhere it's a freaking cell phone i guess i'm working this up into more than what it is i'm just thinking he's got like you know a secretary. Yeah, like like half a, half a, ha- he's got half a floor and mid-size office tower. Oh, actually, I picture it more like Ghostbusters, you know, where Annie Potts answers the phone, hello, <laughs> you know, do you have a, is it spectral or whatever that line she goes through when a person calls Ghostbusters. Remember that when she asks all those well, questions? Well, I remember that she asks all that when uh, she interviews Ernie Hutz. Well, yeah, to see if, you know, any of those things bother him. But no, when, when s- they forget their first call, she asks a bunch of questions. We'll have to look at it. That's yeah. got nothing to do with this. But anyway, that's what Dan is imagining, is Annie Potts answering his phone. <laughs> John Winters is office. He's not here right now, but you can call his son Dean. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, no, he's a loser in college. Last I heard, he slid up his girlfriend and lit the whole fucking place on fire but who am i to say right. not a gossip <laughs> <laughs> she's just shitting on the whole family behind their back i don't know i thought that john's wife sounded like quite a bitch to me i think he's better <laughs> off without her <laughs> and that dean he acts stuff but he's got some real daddy issues but i'm no gossip you didn't hear it from me <laughs> I don't know why she's Jewish all of a sudden, but well, just Annie Potts had in that movie had kind of a well, she's got that thick New York accent. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never got a lot of her jokes. Uh, I, you know, a lot of those Ghostbuster jokes when I first saw the movie. I mean, I thought it was great, but now as I get older, then you just—it's all the dry humor that's so funny. Mm-hmm. That's what's so good about it. I mean, when the cop is there and and they ask him, picking up or dropping off. I mean, that's just, it's a straight line. It's not said as a joke, but it's fucking hilarious. They got a kook at Ghostbusters with the cops picking up or dropping off. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he could go either way. (laughs) Either the cops leave them kooks or they give the kooks back over to the cops. Some other, yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, but we're off topic, so we're talking about Supernatural, not Ghostbusters. Did you like the new... I liked the new Ghostbusters, too. Everyone hated it, but I thought it was fine. It was a Saturday Night Live movie. Yeah, it was okay. That's a thing. I mean, they all have their own... I think all those Saturday Night Live movies have kind of a personality to them that... Yeah. They're a bit wackier than your normal... I mean, they came out fucking coneheads, for God's sakes. (laughs) A whole movie about the stupidest premise that happened 30 years before. Yeah, that's true. For 20 years or so. They did that movie way too late. (laughs) All right. Well, that's enough about... Coneheads, Ghostbusters, and Supernatural. If you got nothing else, then I think we'll call it a show. Yep, I'm done. And always, thank you for listening. Well, let's remind people. We have a Facebook group called Armchair Hunters. So go come over and join us there. You can chat with us there. Our website, coupleofidgets.com. And you can spell it either way because I'm an idiot and didn't know how to spell it when I set it up initially. <laughs> Subscribe to our podcast. We are now listed on iTunes. Yay. Wow. I mean, that's pretty cool, I think. Yes. Apple thinks we're official enough to 
swank. To give us a, a tiny little space in their website. <laughs> um, but you can find us wherever you find your fine podcasts, because I don't know how people are listening to this for sure yet. But yeah. thank you so much for listening. Join us again tomorrow. We'll be moving on to episode five. Do we know what the name of that is yet? Bloody Mary. This is going to be fun. I I dig the bloody. I dig bloody. I get a lot of time. Eric, tasty cocktail. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Great for hangovers. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.